So we're going to get into our word now. Can I get some love? Can I get an amen? Come on. That's good. Okay, I'll take that. Um, I'm excited uh, doing this new series today, and it's called Fight. Um, this is something that, again, has been uh, brewing within me for quite some time. Uh, this is a series um, that was really birthed out of a single message that I was going to preach, right, as a part of a, a series prior to this called Free, but I felt like this is a whole series within itself. This is a whole conversation that needs to go on longer than just you know, 30 minutes on one day. This is a conversation that's going to take some time. Four years is how long the series is going to be. I'm really excited about it. I'm joking. Um, we're in for the long haul. Let's fight forever together. Um, but we're excited about this series because it, it, it means so much to us on a personal level in many, many different ways. And I want to really get every bit of this that I can and expose every bit of this that I can and help you to understand every bit of this that I can because this is so important, the understanding a fight. And what are we talking about here? This fight thing. What are we talking about? It's an understanding that we need to, to gain and a groundwork in our mind and our thoughts and our hearts of the armor of God, the full armor of God. You probably heard this growing up. You read the scripture before uh, many times and you're thinking, this is, oh goodness, he's going to spend that much time on the full armor of God. This is going to be great. Is he going to come dressed up in suits and stuff with big, like in kids' church? Um, maybe. Um, but you never know what will happen with this guy. All right? I'm a hot mess, crazy most of the time, so we're going to have fun with it at the same time. But this series is going to change your life. And I think today is the beginning of the greatest change because of what we're going to talk about. But before we get into that, there's an ancient story of an author who lived around 500 B.C., and he went by the name of Sun Zhu. Now, hopefully I said that right. He has been historically known as one, the one who uh, penned a great military treatise, or commonly known as an essay or dissertation, thesis uh, as well, on warfare. You may already recognize the name, but even more, you may recognize the text, which is called The Art of of war. The Art of War is a text that is comprised of 13 chapters, with each chapter being devoted to an individual aspect of warfare. Some of these chapters include waging war, forces, weaknesses, and strengths, military maneuvers, attacking with fire, and also intelligence and espionage, just to name a few. This book has remained to be one of the most influential of China's seven military classics. And to this day, the art of war is held in regard as Asia's most important treaties. Again, an essay, thesis, or dissertation concerning warfare. Over centuries and now decades of late, this book has been used by Japanese, Vietnamese, and even American leaders to aid in the art of war. It's said that Norman Schwarzkopf and Colin Powell, uh, Colin Powell both employed the principles penned uh, in this great work as they led in the midst of the, the Gulf War in the 1990s. It is said that this lone text is one that you would find on the shelves in the libraries of folks that fight every single day in military situations. The art of war. The Apostle Paul, author of the letter to the Church of Ephesus, while imprisoned in Rome at approximately 60 A.D., wrote an essential piece of scripture that has forever changed the face of spiritual warfare as we know it. This letter that was written in, in, to the Ephesian church was one uh, that was meant to strengthen and encourage them on their faith journey. It was written to help them understand their purpose and the power they possess as a unified body, a unified body of believers in Jesus Christ. He began his letter with the acknowledgement of their faithfulness that was found in their relationship with Jesus. 
Paul's intent wasn't just to let the folks of Ephesus know how much he loved and cared and admired them for this unified spirit that they had in the relationship with God, but also there was much more to say. There was some conversation based around morals. There was some correction toward husbands and wives. This is where the wives are like, can you help me on this? Okay, a bit of direction for children and parents. Parents, you'll take that too. Just read it. And there's even some talk towards slaves and masters. And then we see it, the armor of God. We see in Ephesians 6, 10 through 19, the Apostle Paul's treatise, his essay, his dissertation, his thesis on how we as believers in Jesus Christ are to fight. More specifically, we see in verses 11 through 17, what it is that we are to put on as we set out to fight the epic battles of Christ's kingdom that is ever expanding. Follow along with me on your screen as I read aloud. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. There is no way in the world that we can cover the full armor in one day. So where do we start? Where do we start? We start with the beginning of this scripture. But what I want you to do is understand what Paul was giving here was an example of what he would see in a Roman soldier as he would look around him. As he would look throughout the Roman culture, this is what he would see. People in Ephesus could identify with this. They could understand what a soldier looks like. Even us today, we know what a soldier looks like and we know what a civilian looks like, do we not? Just by what they wear. Sometimes by how they walk. Most times by how they talk. Can I give it to some for sailors around here? Okay, if you know what I'm saying. You can tell the difference between a soldier and one that is not. He wants them to understand this, this vision, this understanding, this view of what a soldier is and what he has to wear as he goes into war. But we're talking about something different here, something deeper, something more important. It's called spiritual warfare. You're like, oh no, we're getting there, aren't we? If anybody knows me in this room, I am not a fruitcake. I keep it real or I keep it real, okay? Uh, right? Can anybody nod if you're with me? Because if you don't know yet, you will know someday soon. When it comes to spiritual warfare, this is the real deal. This is where we're going to camp first. Before we get into all these pieces that we put on, we got to get into this piece called us and understand what's going on. There's more than what you see. Now, I'm not saying that there's literally a devil, and Pastor Ted, you say this, a devil, a devil under every dually, you know, or doily, that's what it was, that they're under chairs and that, watch out, Tim, it's behind you. There's a, there's a demon right on you. Watch out, there's a, watch out. You don't see it? Yeah, same difference. Um, I'm kidding. I told her before service how much I appreciate her. She knows I love her. But we think of spiritual warfare, right, as, you know, like a Carmen video from back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Anybody watch Carmen? 
or like the eye of the tiger or something, or much different than that, much different for that. You don't go looking for the enemy like that, if you know what I'm saying. You don't say, well, it's a devil, and that's what's wrong with you. It's just the devil. It's the devil. The devil made him do it. It's the devil, you know, even. Spiritual warfare is so much bigger and so much greater than what we understand. There's so much more than just the armor. There's a war that is raging for you, for your family, for your life, for your soul. And we need to take some time, just a few moments today, to address this understanding of this fight. If we look in the Old Testament, if you look back and you read the Old Testament at all, nonstop war, right? Do you remember that? All the time, somebody's fighting somebody, somebody's doing this and somebody's doing that. Nonstop. But in the New Testament, war takes on a whole new shape and a whole new thing altogether. When it's mentioned in the New Testament, when it comes to war, it's not even towards the enemy. You're like, what? I'm going to get to that. Warfare is so different in the New Testament church. And it's not necessarily all toward the enemy. Just bear with me. This may like mess you up a little bit, but bear with me. Ephesians uh, verses 10 through 12 on chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of the Lord so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You're like, but isn't that the devil? Bear with me. Understand this. We are dealing with the enemy and all that he has, be it rulers, be it authorities, be it powers or spiritual forces of evil. Stay with me on this. Let me help you get the understanding of the picture. In Roman culture, they had what was called a palestra. And this was basically a gymnasium. In this gymnasium, they would box, right? They would wrestle. And then they had this other thing that was even worse, uh, pancration. This was basically like MMA back in the day. But this junk was real, where you didn't make it out. Okay? When you boxed in the palestra... These guys had gloves with like knives basically on the end of them. You can look back at pictures that were painted within Roman culture and you can see guys that fought these kinds of fights because their faces were so disfigured and so messed up. The devil fights and he fights dirty. Okay? His goal for your life is to absolutely ruin you. Absolutely take you out of the game. To put you in the gymnasium and so disfigure you, so mess you up, that you'll never be the same again. That's real. That's life. You're like, this is a little hard. No, it's just reality. This is the world in which we live. We're dealing with that type of adversary. In the second half of 1 Peter 5, 8, we hear this. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. You're thinking, why, why are you keep going back to him if you say that's not our main struggle? Just bear with me. He's the master of mind games, isn't he? As an adversary, he's hostile towards righteousness. The name Satan in and of itself means to hate or accuse. The name devil means continually throwing something like a ball or a rock against something else until it breaks. 
Does this sound like life whatsoever? He wants to control your life too. Though temporary, wants to take control. We're dealing with invisible things, unseen force of thing, because of a single day. And we have to be careful how we approach this spiritual warfare thing because literally you can walk around and you can be a fruitcake in the faith. Do you understand where I'm coming from? You could be calling everybody and everything a devil and that you're fighting everything spiritually. But it's not always true. I'm just getting real. This is where we're at today. I don't know if you've ever heard um, of a guy named Rick Renner, but he, he wrote this book, Dressed to Kill. And a lot of, of this, these key scriptures that I have today and really the study for, for the full armor of God is coming from a lot of his research that is comprised on like 300 pages of, of just awesome text and awesome Bible study. But this is a quote that he has, and you'll see it on your screen as well. If we do not have a solid biblical understanding of the devil, our Christ-imparted authority over him, and our divinely empowered weaponry to be used against him, we are left wide open to all kinds of wrong thinking, vain imaginations, fears, and unfounded methods of opposing the enemy. Come on. We must have a sound biblical approach. Not what you heard in the prayer group at church last week. That sometimes can be just a gossip session. We, we figured that out at our prayer time this morning. It was fun. It's not about what you heard. It's not about what Fox News even taught you. The gospel according to Fox News. No. It's not that. It's the Bible and Scripture, inspired Scripture of God. So what do these Scriptures say regarding who Jesus is and the power that we possess over the enemy of, as one of God's kids. Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Scripture, nothing can separate us from that love that he has. John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Matt preached this earlier. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Who has overcome? Jesus. Come on, somebody. It's like revival just hit. Started there. It's like ripple effect. And he made us to do the same thing. When it comes to those unseen forces, we as the church can and will see, and like you see in Mark 16, 17 through 18, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. We don't handle snakes. Let me just make sure you get this here. Do you remember when Paul was bitten and he shook it off? It's an understanding of we as believers, if we are doing God's will, we don't say, oh, let's get a box with some snakes in it and shake it off. No. You will be lightning on your feet if you do that, okay? We don't do that. We're not testing God in that. We don't drink poison to test God, right? It's an understanding that God is looking out for us. 
They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, we see it's of the world. On the, we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge, knowledge, hear me here, knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We got to get this in our knower. We have to understand in our minds what spiritual warfare is. Again, that tree looks like a devil. Don't go near that tree. I tell you what, I grew up and everything was of the devil. Was anybody else like that in church growing up? (laughs) Everything was of the devil. I thought I was the devil for a while. Because everything I did was of him. Don't go to the movie house. Why? Why is it a movie house? It's a theater. Well, you don't... You want people to see, they might think you're watching that radar movie. Don't listen to that thump thump music. I'm like, what in the world are you talking? What is thump thump music? What are you doing? This just got really awkward. You know, make sure you wear long pants. I'm like, how long? Like 38 inches so they can, you know what I'm saying by this? We can legalistically demonize anything and everything, but we have to know the difference between good and evil. Come on. You're smarter than that so that you can be more spiritual than that. A lot of people, they bypass the mind. They think that, no, I'm just going to just wait on the Lord and I'm just, I'm just going to go in His presence and I'm going to float from this place and people are going to know that I'm with Him because the way I float. Think, man. Go float down High Street. See what happens. You float down an alley maybe never come back, Okay. Knowledge. First John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Know that he is greater. Finally, in Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Nothing will overcome you, the church, because who you are connected to. Two, it was done on Calvary. Why do we keep going back? Be like, hey, Jesus, take a walk with me. Where are we going? I want to put you back on the cross. Why? Well, I just can't find forgiveness in this. I can't find freedom in that. So maybe I just need to put you back up there and that'll work. No. Once and for all. Done. Why do you keep nailing him back up? Why do you keep putting him up there? He's done. With that, we're moving on to reaching more people for him. So important. Know this. Know this. Understanding is key. In Hosea 4, 6, the Lord states it plainly. My people are destroyed, destroyed from a lack of knowledge. Destroyed. Do you know who you are in him? If you don't, you will be destroyed. Point blank. He'll tell you any little thing he can to get you separated from the body of Christ because that's what an adversary does. That's what an enemy does. He understands the book, the art of warfare, and he knows how to separate you. He knows how to get you. He's smart. He's cunning. He's sly. He's the enemy. But we're not going to give him too much power. Bear with me. 
There's a few things that I want us to, to really know this morning before we leave that I really want us to get in our knower and to understand. And these are things that you, you see within this scripture, but you also see within we have to in this warfare that we are engaged in. The first thing is this. We have to know your foe. Know your foe. Come on. It makes sense, though, doesn't it? Because we don't think this way a lot of times. People just dying to get in here. They're knocking down the door. You hear it? <laughs> Might as well draw your tent. You're already there thinking about it. Know your foe. The devil, the enemy, the adversary, we've talked about him a lot. The devourer. Remember I told you about that, that lion that, that creeps around and like a roaring lion that wants to destroy your life? I don't know if you realize this, but um, studies show when it comes to lions that the ones that roar the loudest are the oldest and are missing something key. Teeth. What do they do, though? They still have an important role. You know what they do? They roar so loud, and it's so intimidating that when the prey comes near, they flee from the roar into the hands of the younger lions, the ones who can devour, the ones who can take us down. We are so fixed on the lowercase l lion that the lion of Judah, think about this, Revelation talks about it, that we are so fixed on this lowercase l that we can't even get to the line of Judah. We are so fixated on this roar that we keep hearing. We give him power when we listen to the roar and let it control our lives. It's not him. It's what he does. Do you get what I'm saying? He has been defeated. Do you get where I'm going with this? So how am I, as a believer, going to give him that much power? I can't. I have to know that all he is is a big old hairy beast with no teeth and wants to play patty cake with me. So what am I going to do? I'm going to run to the roar. I'm going to run right to him and say, you ain't got nothing. You, have been, you just kind of look like a lion with that. <laughs> you ain't got nothing. You've already been defeated. You have no control over my life. Greater is he that's within me than your little chump tail. You have nothing. I have rendered you defenseless. But we can't get that through our minds sometimes. We can't get that into our hearts. Oh, the devil made me cheat. Yeah, he was there, wasn't he? The devil made me lie. No. You have control. No excuse. Just take it. I got to do it every single day with myself. I got to look at myself with sober judgment and say, Justin, you're being a fool. You're being an idiot on this. You are wrong, dead wrong. Can I tell you how much honesty has helped me in my life? Can I tell you how much honesty allowing someone else, Kara, friends that are in my close, you know, to speak into my life to tell me the truth? It renders him defenseless. Truth renders him defenseless. The enemy is nobody. You're like, but you don't understand. But scripture says that he is nobody, if you think about it. So why am I, as a believer, giving him power that he does not deserve? Why am I giving him stripes on his shoulder and, and giving him more rank in my life when he is nobody? That's what we do. It's human nature. It's fallen mankind. I do it every day. 
You do it every day, it's called sin. We allow margin, negative margin in our lives so that the enemy can get a place, a foothold, so that he can just build a mansion of, of devastation in our lives. He is no one. He is nothing. You have to know your foe. You have to know your foe. And here's the thing, too, what I really want us to get at. Sometimes our biggest foe isn't him, but it's the person in the mirror. Take your phone, if you have a smartphone, open it up, open your Photos app. or Go ahead, do it. Go ahead, open it up. You're like, I can use my phone in church? Yeah. Okay? What I'm going to do is I'm going to take the camera, I'm going to switch it, and it's looking at me. Look at your foe. That's an ugly foe. <laughs> Look at your foe. We don't realize that we're, we're giving him too much power, but we're also giving ourselves too much uh, availability, giving ourselves too much margin that's negative. The biggest foe sometimes is the person in the mirror. Right? It's you. It's me more than anybody. It's us. The truth is this, and we see this as a, it's a quote from Rick Renner again. The truth is the devil's attacks against our lives wouldn't work if our flesh didn't cooperate. Come on, somebody. His attacks, his schemes, his ploys wouldn't work unless you, me, us, this is level playing ground here, all of us, cooperated. Why does he get ground? Because we have a cooperation plan. We've got a co-op going with the devil. I'll give you a little bit. Sure, that's fine. You can just have a little bit of my life. Just that corner, just that little bit. What happens? The bad weed grows, spoils the whole thing. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Test yourself. Examine your life. Don't be afraid to do it. Second thing we have to do is know who to fear. So much of our lives are lived in fear of what the devil can do to you or what people can do as well. We give him ground. We give him so many props. We make him more powerful than he is. He is just a lion with no teeth with a loud roar. He's nothing. Nothing. Proverbs 9, 9 through 12. Instruct a wise person, excuse me, a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will add to his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through me your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. Don't fear him, fear God. Why? He is the only one that holds eternity for you. I say this many times over. Hell was not created for mankind. This may go against some thought and stuff like that. But it wasn't. It was created for the devil and demons. God's intent for your life is to be with him in heaven forever. Point blank. He loves you. He loves you and nothing changes his love for you. He wants you to be in heaven with him. The palestra, remember that? Brings up the third thing. Knowing how to fight. Knowing how to fight. 
This place was a training ground for the people of Rome and for these fighters of the day to improve and that they would overcome. So that when they went to hand-to-hand combat, when they went into a situation, they knew what to do and that they would overcome even unto death. Look, we're fighting unto death here. We're fighting unto death. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 6, 12, to flee temptation and fight the good fight. This is a fight of life. This is the fight of your life. Not that you die in it in in this respect, but that you live in him. We're all going to be tempted. We're all going to have struggles, but we are all more than conquerors. When it comes to the enemy, and you've heard this before, he has an Achilles heel. He does. He has an Achilles heel. And it's just one word, one name, and his name is Jesus. Again, when I was a kid, I used to have this reoccurring nightmare that I was out of cereal. No, this reoccurring nightmare. (laughs) That would be a travesty. Mom, right? Brother has always had cereal, okay? Nonstop, all right? But I used to have this dream that was reoccurring. Now, you've probably already heard about this before. It was regarding cereal. Count Chocula, did you ever see him on the front of the box? Scary, right? How am I going to eat that stuff? It's scary. And he's like, whoa. And it just always scared me. But I was running from him. I was running. And I was running and I was running. I would fall. It was like too late. I would fall and I'd get back. Just like you see in the scary movies. And at one point I'd turn around and be like, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Count Chakia. Bowl of cereal on the floor. No, but just disappear. <laughs> Even in my dream, that was my Achilles heel for him. Jesus. You don't know what to do. Know who to call on. We all have that in our phones at ICE, right? In case of emergency, who are you calling? Ghostbusters. No. <laughs> Be fun, though. Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one that will get you out. He's the one that got me out. He's the one that keeps me out. He's the one that takes care of me. I know how to fight because of him. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus. Last thing I want to share is this. You have to know how to be free. This is our last stop on the journey. It's truly knowing how to be free. We often forget the power of Jesus in our lives. It doesn't take much to knock us off kilter, does it? Especially me. I could be... We were eating Chick-fil-A the other night in the car. Bad idea. Why? Because the sauce rolled right off that nice slick dash, right on my pants, right on the ground, I like my clothes to be clean. I like my car to be clean. I like things in order. And that just threw me off. I was a hot mess. Kara's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, the devil made me do it. No. (laughs) Chick-fil-A and that devil sauce. It was Polynesian. Just kidding. (laughs) Matt, I had to get him on that. It was Pacific Islander. No, it was Chick-fil-A sauce, the stuff that adds 140 calories per pack. 17 inches on your waist and four seconds flat. Man, Paul up in prison, and he knew what it was like to be free. 
don't worry about Chick-fil-A sauce in my pants. Come on. We got to know what it's like to be free. Have you, just think for a second. Have you felt freedom in him? Have you felt it before? It was in a worship service. It was in a moment in the word. It was at a, a camp. It was at a retreat. It was whatever. You felt it, right? You know what I'm talking about? You, you remember it. You remember what it's like, okay? What an amazing feeling. Flip it. What is it like to be in bondage? Right? You just feel like dirty jobs with Mike, uh, whatever his name is. You're just like, I am not getting in that thing. That is a sewage tank. He's like, well, it's fun to do. I'm like, you're, you're crazy, bro. I would take like 17 showers for four days straight. I just couldn't do it. I like to be clean. But you know the feeling, right? Sin attaches itself, hurt, pain, frustration, loneliness, hatred, unforgiveness, just whew, depression. Throw it down. You know what it is. It makes you feel sick. It, it feels like there's just 3,000 pounds on your shoulders and you can't do anything. That's not free. That's not God's idea for your life. That's not what it's supposed to be. I know the difference in my life. And I can tell when the weight is starting to come on, right? Not just in this area, but in this area of my life. I can feel the pressure of it. I, I can tell when things are changing. I can tell when bondage is creeping up on me, when I'm given margin. 1 John 3, 8, in the second half of the scripture, we see it clearly written that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. He wants to destroy that bondage in your life. He wants to destroy those things that hold you back, that have you bound, that the lies, the deception, the fear. He wants to destroy it. Otherwise, what Jesus did was for nothing. He's just a good guy. He's just a, an awesome person that you know helped people. He was a, he was the greatest humanitarian ever. I'm sure he had a nonprofit called Loaves and Fishes. You know what I'm saying? Water walkers. What did you do? I don't know. What you, whatever it is. Rock Central. Just give it a name. That was their... No. He was the Messiah that saved us. Not only from the devil, but from ourselves. Right? That's hard. Because this is what I got to preach. My, this is why I couldn't sleep last night. This isn't easy. I got to wrestle with this every single day. We all have powers, principalities, and all this junk swirling around us, but greater is he that is in us. Come on. Than he that's in the world. He is a chump. He is defeated. He has no teeth. He is nothing to us. The Greek used in Luke 3.16 gives us the visual that Jesus is literally untying and loosening the work of the enemy that has us bound. He's unraveling Satan's power over us. Colossians 2.15 draws a clear, a clear picture of what happens when Jesus comes into our lives on, and acts on our behalves. And this is what it says, And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Understand this. When somebody was defeated in Roman time, they stripped them naked, they took everything from them. They had absolutely nothing. They were a disgrace. They were completely done. You know what's funny? Imagine shaving that line. You ever seen those cats with no hair? They should not be alive. That is scary. 
He has no teeth. He's naked and afraid because he has nothing against us. Of Literally. He is just a, a mockery, a spectacle of defeat. He can't do anything. Literally. Only if we allow him to. See, also, on the other side of that, ourselves, that's how God wants us to come to, uh, to, come to him. Stripped. Absolutely nothing. Completely dead to self and alive in him. He clothes us with righteousness. Come on. He perfects that which concerns us. He's with us every single day and he clothes us. We're going to get into our clothing here next week of full armor. But it's an understanding that he has never left you. He has never forsaken you. He has not left you in your nakedness. He's not left you in your ultimate, the most complete vulnerable state of your life. He has clothed you with righteousness, right standing before him. That everybody can look at you and say, that is a child of the king. That's what he has for your life. He has complete reinstatement in the family. Grafted back into the vine so that you may produce life. That you can bring others in and say, hey, come on, let me tell you what God's doing in my life. Let me tell you my story. Let me, let me sing you my song. Let me just tell you what he did. I was a hot mess. I was this and that, but God. We only spend just a little bit of time on the hot mess part, all right? Because we're giving too much glory to the past. We want to give him the glory for the future. But God did this in my life. God completely changed me from the inside out. I was this, 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 and this, but he has done this, and I am free. I'm not ashamed to stand before you today because I'm clothed in him. See what I'm saying? total different approach than you being naked and afraid, than you being out on your own, you not having anything, being clothed with sin and oppression, not demonic, you know what I'm saying by that, but being oppressed with that weight. There's freedom. There's freedom in him. That's what he affords to us as believers. That's what I want to do this morning is give you an opportunity to respond to this because we really feel, you know, with talking with Matt even yesterday, that something's going to happen in your life today. This is a divine appointment that you came here today. And it doesn't matter where you are at on the spectrum of life. If you have junk, let it go. I've seen people in their 80s still struggling with stuff from their childhood. Doesn't matter. I'm not talking about older folks for that reason. I'm saying it doesn't matter where you're at in life. Everybody got stuff. Everybody has junk. But what's cool about this place here, it's like a river that flows out. You just drop it in and just, shh. and we know everything goes down to Decker's Creek, anyways. You know what I'm saying? Right? <laughs> you ever smelled that? <laughs> Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. We're going to stop. This is a place where you can stand. You can stand firm with understanding that you're about to suit up, that you're about to put on the full armor, and you're going to understand how you are to fight in this spiritual war that you're in. It's a war. It's never going to end until we're with him in heaven. Do you get what I'm saying? It's never going to stop. There's always going to be struggle. There's always going to be temptation. There's always going to be strife. Look around you. There's always going to be people. Okay. It's not going to stop. But our goal, again, is to what? Love him, love them. But you got to love you. That's so key. You got to get healthy. 
Because you're fighting the fight of your life. It's a war. And it doesn't stop here. As soon as him, it intensifies. It gets stronger. Because you're taking ground for him, the enemy's going to up his attack. And this isn't like, ooh, you know, you get like, that was a fiery dart. Oh, my God. You know. <laughs> Be real. All right? Be real with this. He's real. He's got it out for you. But he in heaven's even more real, and he has helped you overcome. And what I want us to do is stand in that. You may not feel comfortable coming up here and all that stuff. That's fine. I get it. But if you're right beside somebody, say, hey, can you come up with me? That way they don't know if it's you or me. They'll think you're the hot mess and not me. <laughs> and you know what? You do that for your friend. You get their back. But let's just agree together. Rob, you mind just to hit a little, he's going to hit a little loop in the back. He might mix it up a little bit. DJ Rob, you got to watch him, man. DJ Rippin' Rob is actually his name. <laughs> but I just want to challenge you in this moment. Look, we, we've been real. We've had some deep stuff. We've had some fun stuff. But the number one thing you've got to have this morning is a relationship with him. We already know we have a relationship with the enemy, if you think about it. Because he's the prince of the air. He's here. He's all around. But we need to really up our game with uppercase H, him. Right? We really need to, we got time to man up. It's time to woman up. It's time to put away childish things. It's time to step into this new season of your faith. Because this junk is real. God's, you know, giving me some things that I see for our lives as, as living waters. Remember, we talked about it last week. That you are conduits of him. That you are supposed to carry the gospel, the good news. This door out front isn't a one-way door that just opens and closes. It's a revolving door in the spiritual realm. And we're not, again, not fruitcake. Woo, no. You are filled in this place. You are changed. And in your home, you're filled in that place. And you're changed so that you can go out and fill others. You're a life-saving station. You're a place that people come to and they receive life. But you got to make sure you get the junk out. You're not going to be perfect. Get over it. Are you with me? Are you, do you understand what I'm saying? There's going to be struggle. It doesn't mean you just say, well, pastor said there's going to be struggle, so I'm going to struggle today. Today's my struggle day. Like a diet, you got a cheat day? You don't cheat here. Every day's a cheat day, no. You just got to get real with him, all right? Face to face. All right, God. Because look, I'm going to tell you what, when daddy talks back to you, you're going to feel so much love. You're going to feel so much forgiveness. You're going to feel a reinstatement in his kingdom. He's going to turn you from, a, a, remember like Peter, a reed blown by the wind to rock. He's building a church on you. You're not just some chump change nobody in life. You're somebody special to him. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. I don't care how insignificant you feel or the lies that you've believed, you're going to make a difference. But we got to man up. We have to woman up on this. We have to go for it. We have to be real. And I think that's what's so important about an altar space. I don't push you guys a lot on that. But it's so important for us to take a stand. If you can't do it here, you can't do it there. I'm for real. Let's just be real with it. You're not going to walk down High Street, you know, sharing the good news if you can't even stand in church where it's safe. Let's just be real on that. You know what I mean? And this isn't some emotional thing. I'm not, I don't do that. I don't pull the strings where it's like, <laughs> I'll come for it. No. Don't do it unless you mean it. 
she out real quick. Because the enemy will he'll help, he'll, he'll wash you out real quick. Okay? But everybody stand with me in your place right now. And what I want to do is simply pray a prayer of freedom in your life. Okay? And I believe that in the heavenlies, if you will, in the spiritual realm, that there's a change taking place. Again, not fruitcake or loopy, just keeping it real. Because we have authority as believers. And then this is what I want you to do. If you want prayer, you can come forward and receive prayer. But regardless, I want us to stand together. Okay? If you do need prayer, there will be people here to help pray with you. Okay? No doubt about it. But I want you, if you're serious with this thing, even if it ends up you're in the aisles or whatever, you're standing on the stage with me, I don't care. Just get out of the comfort and move forward. Not only are you moving forward, but you're moving forward. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You're moving forward. You're finding freedom and you're moving forward. You understand? So this is what we're going to do. Jordan and Katie, you help me pray? You with me? If you guys could come over here. Care Bear, formerly known as Kara. Lee, if you could come forward as well. Any of our staff, Tim, you and your wonderful wife, if you'd like to come forward as well just to pray. Or if you need to take your own steps, that's fine too. But here's the deal. If you need prayer, these folks are here for you. All right? Do you understand? Nod your head if you're with me. This is very deliberate. We're communicating here. I'll be here as well. But regardless, I want you to move, okay? That's the key, all right? That's the key. Because you're taking a step of understanding, of faith, of movement toward your freedom, all right? We're understanding that the, 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 the war is real, but we're going to win the battles every day, okay? Are you with me? I'm going to pray, and you're going to move. That's it. There's no other, like, one, two, three, none of that stuff. When I say amen, you move. If you need prayer, you go to these people. I can't, am I any more clear? You know what I'm talking about. No ambiguity. I'm done. You come forward. If you need salvation, that can happen right where you're at. Ask for forgiveness. Repent, which means to turn, and you turn to him. If you need to rededicate your life, same thing. But the key is, you got to tell someone. All right? That's the key. That's key. So let us pray and let us believe that we're going forward today as folks that are more than conquerors, not just conquerors, but more than that, that it's not just the battle, but we're winning the war. Okay? That you're not weak, you're strong. That in the name of Jesus, everything can and does change in one moment. Okay? That's what we're believing. If the Holy Spirit which is the Spirit of God, is, is really you know, heavy on you right now in your heart where you feel like you need to, to get right with God, do that, okay? Don't, don't pass it up. Don't pass it by. And understand who you are in Him this morning, all right? Are you with me? I'm going to pray. When I say amen, we move. You just got to make sure of this stuff because all of a sudden it'll be like, all right? Okay. God, we thank you so much for this day. Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice of your life. We thank you that we are more than conquerors. 
That you not have, you have not made us, you've not created us, you've not placed us on this earth to fail or to die in this, but you've, you've caused us to be with you one sin over death, over the grave as you did. And we're gonna be with you one day that this is not the end. So Lord, first and foremost, if we need a relationship with you, God, through your son, Jesus Christ, we ask for forgiveness. We simply say, I'm sorry. I apologize for trying to do my own thing. I turn from myself and I give myself to you, God, through your son, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to you but through him. I acknowledge that. First and foremost, if I need to to re-up my game, if I need to reinvigorate my relationship with you, I do that today as well. Again, saying, I'm sorry, I turn from self, I turn to you, and I live in this. God, for those, all of us even, that have seen the spiritual warfare struggle to be real in our lives, we simply claim victory today in the name of Jesus. The name at which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord, even the enemy. We claim freedom and we believe it for ourselves today. In just a few moments, God, we're gonna step out in this newfound faith that you are stronger, that you are greater, and that the enemy is absolutely nothing. He has no teeth, he has no hair, he is naked before us, nothing. A spectacle, a mockery in our lives because you are greater and you have overcome this world. So Lord, we take this seriously this morning We do it with the knowledge of knowing that this is a change taking place and that we are becoming greater in this moment, that we are giving you more power and we are stripping the enemy from the power that he's had in the past. We believe it, we hold to it. In the name of Jesus, we say, amen.